If you were not fortunate enough to grow up in a Native American or indigenous community, your understanding of Native peoples may be limited by what you've seen in movies or what you've read in history books, a history that is incomplete and oftentimes deficit-focused. But for me, having been fortunate enough to complete my Teach for America core experience and then some in South Dakota on the Pine Ridge Reservation and in communities around Rosebud and Standing Rock, these are communities rich in cultural values, brimming with pride, and places of abundance, an abundance of love, an abundance of kinship, and an abundance of appreciation for the value of each life. In fact, the Lakota word for children, Wakaneja, literally translates as sacred beings. This focus on the sacredness of life and on sacred children in particular bubbles over into schools. That's what we're exploring on today's episode of Changing Course. We're taking you to my old stomping grounds in South Dakota to visit Todd County Middle School, where we'll look at the ways the school is leaning into Lakota culture to foster safe, inclusive community. The biggest difference between today and the day before we got here is joy. And and where that joy comes from. Typically, that student joy came from It was the kind of joy of someone who's the class clown and getting laughs. And that joy came at the expense of school. And I think that that joy now comes from school. I think that joy comes now from the relationships that students share with adults. I think that joy comes from the things students do together versus the kind of joy I get because I broke the rules. My kids mean everything to me and my kids mean everything to our staff. Seeing them develop and succeed has been far more rewarding than getting any Principal of the Year award for best, most improved test scores. Our test scores will get there, but kids have to know that they're cared for, they're loved, and that we believe in them. From Teach for America's One Day Studio, you're listening to Changing Course. I'm Jonathan Santos Silva, a 2010 Teach for America alumni on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And since leaving the classroom, I haven't stopped partnering with educators, students, and communities to reimagine education. We have so much to learn from schools across America moving education in a new direction, and a changing course will happen one school at a time. Today, we're visiting Todd County Middle School in Mission, South Dakota, where a focus on culture and wellness, informed by Indigenous practices, is recovering and strengthening the relationship between staff and students. You ready? Let's go. Located on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in northern Todd County, Mission, South Dakota, the largest city in Todd County, has a total area of about a half a square mile and a population of just over a thousand residents. Named for one of the many missions established by religious groups in the late 19th century, it remains the ancestral, traditional, and contemporary home of the Sichangu Lakota, or Burnt Thai people, of the Ocheti Shakoni, which is the Seven Council Fires. Todd County Schools, in partnership with community, tribe, and other educational entities, 
are committed to providing students with quality preparation that will empower them to succeed academically, socially, emotionally, culturally, and spiritually in an ever-changing world. And before we hear from our guests, I just want to let you all know how impactful this region is for me. As a core member from 2010 to 2012, I taught math at Little Wound High School on the nearby Pine Ridge Reservation. I also called play-by-play for their football and basketball teams. Years later, I would return to South Dakota, this time working with the Native American Achievement Schools Fellows on the Rosebud Reservation. This is where I met our first guest, Dana Hawkes. My name is Dana Hawkes. I am the principal here at Todd County Middle School. I have been the principal here for, this is our seventh year, uh, Chris and I, and I guess I really look at it as being, I'm part of the leadership team. I may, be, I may have the title of principal, but Chris and I are a team. She's referring to Chris Mosner, assistant principal at Todd County Middle School, who we'll meet later. I am a, a graduate of Todd County. I've lived in this community. I grew up in this community. My mother and father have a ranch right outside of town. They still live here, so I'm very connected to this place as my home. And my son lives here, and my new grandson lives here also. So I'm heavily invested in how well this community thrives as we step into the next chapter, post-pandemic world. Hmm. Your return to Todd County as an administrator wasn't necessarily the homecoming you might have hoped for. No. Can you talk to us a little bit about, like, you know, when you came back, when you returned to Todd County Middle School, what was the situation like? Well, coming into the school was shocking, I think is the best thing I can say. Um, I was not prepared to see the the level of behaviors that we had the first day of school. I had received a lot of calls like, you know, I'm really worried about my kid going to the middle school. I hear bad things, blah, blah, blah. It was overwhelming. Well, the school board during that time made a, a transition and they moved the principal from this school into a, a different position. And then um, I believe then she went to the high school to support. And then they moved me as principal and it, Mr. Moser, who's never been an administrator, moved in. There was just a lot of mistrust between students and and staff and parents, the community. All day long, that's all we did was behavior. That's all we did. And there was no really thought about intervention. And and that's one thing that that we have gotten better at as a district is looking at, at ways to support teachers being able to build relationships in classrooms. We we had over like I can pull the the specific number, but it was over 800 suspensions that first year. It was a struggle, and then then we got better over that summer. Between the next year, we did a lot of planning and a lot of thinking on better ways to keep kids in classrooms and support them and and create a better learning environment for them, for the staff, and for. Our, our families to be welcomed into the middle school and move forward. And every year since then, we've cut behavioral reports or it, like suspensions are under a hundred a year, if even that. Mm. And uh, behaviors, it's just not the issue that we used to have. We have a recovery room that our counselors intervene with behaviors prior to it ever getting to the office, which is a much better way because there's always a reason for behavior. 
you know, um, there's always, we do things to get a a need met that, that that's what behavior is. Mm. You have to find out what that need is or what, what is that student lacking or why is, where is this coming from? They don't just do things to do things. People don't do that. (laughs) You know, they say that, I don't know, but there's always a reason. And, and that investigative piece to find out. So what happened prior to you feeling this way or this happening in class? And then, then we work a map problem. We don't just talk about what you did. Mm. You know, that's, that's what you did is the aftermath, but what happened prior to that? So we can help you change your thinking the next time. And that coping skill. It was actually when I was working there in support of Todd County Middle School and He Dog on the Native American Achievements Grant that I first learned that all behavior is either an expression of love or a request for it. Mm-hmm. School should be a place where kids love to come and love to learn. They should never feel like I have to walk this line to be able to be successful at school. I should be able to explore and and find things that I love and that I'm good at. And if I make mistakes, people make mistakes. We we all know that. So if I make mistakes, I can fix it and I can change. And that's the thing instead of just being really reactive and like defensive about well this is the school's position. Bleh, that's just not who we are. It's like no this school is an extension of our community that we serve. There's not a line. This, the school is a place that students should love going and where they should love learning, right? A place of exploration. Wellness in particular as being a place where they can experience agency, where they can talk to the wellness teacher on things that they need help with or things that they're trying to solve. Can you talk a little bit, of, maybe give us an example of something that came out of a wellness interaction that really demonstrates students, you know, you know, leaning in and making this place what they need it to be in order to thrive. The whole idea behind it is, is to give kids a voice and an adult to connect with. And our kids have really been able to explore and, and get to know people on a different level because it helps with relationship building for the, not only with the, the adults in the building, but also with other kids because it's multi-grade. And wellness has been, we've, we've expanded it. We went from just wellness in the morning to wellness AM and wellness PM. Wellness in the morning is the, the let's get ready for the day and what, what are some things, what some things that we can do today to make this world a better pay, place, this school a better place, our community a better place. and then. At the end of the day, it's a check-in. So did we meet our goal? What are some things that, that went well? What are some things that we got to work on tomorrow? And it's not led by counselors. It's led by every single teacher in this building is a wellness teacher. So that took some training too, because you're not you're not trained in, in college or, or teaching school how to build good relationships. You're taught about methods and strategies and, and interventions, but you you building relationships is really what makes the dream work. Mm. I mean, and, and make school work. Maybe there are some safety or disciplinary issues like that, you know, whatever they may be, family distrust. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes we start focusing on a test score. Let's, you know, these scores are low. Let's get these up. And, you know, we can do all the extra stuff once we get this, mm-hmm. but it seems very clear that you took it in a, maybe a counterintuitive way of, 
let's get the relationships right first. Then the academics will come. Can you make a pitch for that? Like to our people that are listening, why did you believe that was the right way? And what, what has proven your, your process out over time? We know, we know that we are not going to overcome the, the obstacles that I was just talking about if we don't have a relationship with our students and with our stakeholders, which is every community member in this area, every business in this area. And I would love to say, you know, yeah, you know, we're really focusing on reading intervention and math intervention. That those things come when kids trust you. Mm-hmm. If they know that you are in it for them and they, they that you got their back, you're not going to leave them and say, well, you didn't make it. You know, they know that that we we care about how how they do in every little bit of their life. We care that they're safe. We care that they're they have a place to sleep. We we care, you know, how how their academics are. But that's not the only reason we're here. You know, um, I think I've often talked to to people from, I mean, we go to professional development throughout the state and, and with other administrators. And I always find it is interesting that we don't talk about the same things they talk about. And maybe it's just because we we have that that human connection or that human focus. We're just, I told, <laughs> I told a another administrator from a different school guy is like, geez, I wish that was my only problem was to think and worry about reading scores or math scores. Hmm. I don't think I would even know how to function in a different school because my, my kids mean everything to me and my kids mean everything to our staff and um, seeing them develop and succeed has been far more rewarding than getting any principal of the year award for best, most improved test scores. Our test scores will get there, but kids have to know that they're cared for, they're loved, and that we believe in them. Prior to becoming assistant principal of Todd County Middle School, Chris Mosner worked his way up the ranks, starting as a paraprofessional or teacher's assistant, moving into a teacher role, and eventually coming to Todd County Middle School. Like Dana, the transition started off a little rocky. Here's Chris. I was, look, I was afraid of middle school first. Like everybody's afraid of middle school. <laughs> I think everybody right? is afraid of middle school kids. That's, yeah, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> and, I was, and I was just as afraid as everybody else of middle school. But then once I got here, boy, you sure do fall in love with it. You fall in love with what everybody's afraid of. You fall in love with that uncertainty. You know, you fall in love with the fact that you never know one day to the next, actually, what's going to, you know, what's going to, what did I did yesterday is going to carry into today. What's going to be different? Every, every potential student, you know, we have 350 kids, uh, 400 kids and on any given day, you know, and every one of them could react differently today than, than they did yesterday. And that's the excitement I think of middle school, the mm-hmm. middle school mind and the middle school sense of humor, um, I wanted, when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be that kind of teacher that was just did things a little bit different, asked a little bit more of kids. And that, I think that goes, I think that fits really well at middle school. I think middle schools need a principal who's that same way. Mm -hmm. You know, they need a principal who wants to bring out that edginess in all their teachers. So, because then the teachers can bring that out in the kids. 
I am not a kind of the kind of guy who wants today to be exactly like yesterday. Right. I may have my routines, you know, I may get up at the same time, get my cup of coffee at the same time, but within all those spaces, I want excitement. I want joy. I want, and, and the excitement and joy for me comes from learning. Hmm. It comes from having new experiences open. So I want a school and that brings uh, new experiences to kids on a daily basis. Mm. That first year, responding to referrals, right? Like putting out fires was a big part of the job. And then over the years that have come since, there's been this precipitous drop that Dana pointed to as the shift went from, you know, the first move being to kick the kid out of class to deal with it to how are we getting to know the kid more deeply? How are we getting beneath the behavior to understand what's happening? How do you get from the kind of kick out mindset to this collaborative, like let's work together mindset? What was that like? You know, I think one of the biggest changes was when a, when a kid would be sent to my office and the teacher thought that their job was done for the day, you know, I sent the kid to the office and that's going to be the end of it. And then I would appear at their door with the kid and the kid would be apologizing to the teacher. Mm. And I remember those first moments that it was like, what? Like this week, like, like we could do this. Yes. This, this student is apologizing to you. You know, we Mm. had a conversation in my office and they understand that, that they, they violated, you know, a a social norm or a class rule. They're giving an apology and they're sincere and they're ready to come back to the classroom. So, so actually one of the first things I had to, that I had to work with adults in doing was accepting an apology. It's not always easy to do. The, the adult then wanted to say, okay, I accept your apology, but and I'm like, no, nope, there can't be any buts here. Mm. They've just, they've just apologized. We're not going to relitigate Ooh. it, you know? And so that just the fact that the teachers learned that a student can give an apology, they can be sincere and we can move forward without having to kick the kid out of class, out of school was a big step. Mm. I love that. I never thought about that, but like learning how to accept an apology. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always say we have to teach students how to give the apology. Right. That's the, honestly, that's the easy part. The harder part is teaching an adult how to, how to accept it. It honestly, honestly, that was a harder part. A lot of times when someone takes over a, a school and there's behavior and maybe test scores are down or whatever, they want to focus on academics. But it seems like at Todd County, the focus went to relationships and to people and healing and creating like the, the container for kids to learn before we ever started worrying about grades. How do you make that transition from like the traditional model to one where kids are advocating for what they need and adults are supporting them in their goals? So that's exactly right. That's exactly what we went for. Taking care of relationships, and I like your word, your word healing. We, we wanted healing first. So the, one of the first things that we established was uh, what, we, what became known as the Ocheti Yomni, the three campfires. Uh, now it's Ocheti Dopa, because we've added a, a fourth council fire to the building. And we put kids in charge of that. We wanted more than a student council that was a bunch of eighth graders that put together dances and bake sales. We wanted kids who progressed from the sixth grade wing. And and I'm just gonna veer a little bit here, the way our building is set up. Mm -hmm. The way our building is set up, our sixth graders come into the building on the east side. They travel through the south, seventh grade wing is on the south side of the building and they exit the building on the west. It's just just a perfect representation, you know, in that way of, of, uh, of native thinking. 
They come in with a rising sun, they leave with a setting sun. And through that, we want students to understand and see their growth. So when they come in on the, as sixth graders, yes, they, they have their own campfire. But yes, they also have their elders on the west side of the building to listen to. We have been stymied, you know, like the rest of the nation, by COVID and, and all sorts of problems. But each, when, when the Ocheti Yomni was, was formed, each one of those groups went to a homestead, a local homestead, uh, with our, one of our teachers, Carlos, where they, with Carlos, they did a little ceremony where they took a tree. And from each tree, they made a staff. And so this staff was our first sixth grade year. And it's got, you know, on, on the staff are the names of, of all the students who are in that particular wellness class. We wanted each wellness class and each one of these Ochetis to have their own staff. Mm. And then the staff here is a collection of various things that happened. It was, it's kind of like a winter town. It's a collection of important things that happened that year. This, this was the year of the eclipse. I can see that here. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to just share with you some of the ways that we wanted to invite students to be a big part of the school and and see uh, their see their time here as a real journey. Mm. And I think that with that comes agency that we are authors of our own story. Mm. So we wanted to build that early as sixth graders. Well, I think that's beautiful. And I think the other part that it draws out for me is that you know I've spent a, I've spent time in schools that serve native children but that don't necessarily feel as if there's anything native or indigenous about what's happening. Yeah. It's almost like they have to check in that part of their identity with uh, at the coat rack. And like and so things like this that really kind of it's not just like a Lakota class, but really it permeates every aspect of the school. Right. So I don't have to check my identity somewhere. I can be my full self when I come to Todd County Middle School. There you go. That's really powerful. Kind of holding in your mind the picture of Todd County Middle School when you got there. Yeah. And then looking at where you are now, even in spite of the pandemic and all the ways that has interrupted the flow, like what would you say is the biggest difference in terms of students and their and their involvement, their engagement, the, the sense of agency that they take in their learning there? I'm going to say that um, I, I, there's a word that I want to say. And I'm, just, I'm not, just not sure how I want to couch it, but I just want to talk about joy, Jonathan. Like I, I, I just feel like mm-hmm. that if there's the, the biggest difference between today and the day before we got here is joy and, and where that joy comes from. And I think that maybe before we got here, typically that student joy came from, it was the kind of joy of someone who's the class clown and getting laughs. And that joy came at the expense of school. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Yeah. And I think that that joy now comes from school. I think that joy comes now from the relationships that students share with adults. I think that joy comes from the things students do together versus the kind of joy I get because I broke the rules. Right. And so, yeah, even though we've had a a rough couple of years and, and that joy has been harder to find, and the reason it's been harder to find is because we haven't had the human beings in the building that we haven't had the little joy engines mm-hmm. in the building. But when we're here, like uh, just on Monday, I showed staff 
this video compilation of photos and events and things. The last year kids were in the building. And I mean, uh, the joy in that was palpable, right? Mm-hmm. And we are here, sure, we're here, we're here to give students agency and bring bring that about. My bottom line is we're here to create kids who can make joy in their lives and joy in the lives of others. So for me, that's the big difference. After the break, we'll hear more from a student who transferred to this special community, as well as a teacher who has informed a lot of the takeaways I've grasped from my time working in the Lakota community. When you walk into the front doors of Todd County Middle School, you're greeted in an open gathering space. The walls are decorated with the smiling faces of students and staff in their wildcat yellow and blue. It's a place of belonging. It's a welcoming space. It's the type of school Meadow was looking for when she decided to transfer to Todd County Middle School during the pandemic. I'm Meadow, and I'm in seventh grade. So how did the opportunity to go to Todd County Middle School come up? So when my brother changed, that's when I was like, oh, well, that school seems nicer than the one here. I want to go there. Was he telling you about his experiences and and, and what, what, what drew you in? What was he saying? He said that the teachers care about how you feel. And like, they don't, they say more in like when you go to their class than just go in and sit down. They ask you how you are. Hmm. When did you, oh, so actually let me back up. When was this in relation, so this was before the pandemic that he transferred over there and he was having a positive experience? Yeah. What are you learning about your your new school? Well, it's not new anymore, but like, you know, to about Todd County Middle School. Well... I'm in student council, and one of the things that I noticed, look, my dad runs student council, so he isn't making all of the decisions. He lets us make them. Wait a minute. So your dad is the advisor of student council? Yeah. What is it like? So who, what, are, what do the students do in there to lead and take charge? Well... We kind of make all decisions, all of the decisions, like we're planning to go on a trip and we are deciding what we're going to do there. Mm-hmm. And he's not making the choices. We are. We, he decided on where to go, but it's up to us to figure out what to do there. Mm. Why is it so important to give young people like you, Meadow, the, the opportunity to participate in leadership and make choices for themselves? Because when people get out in the real world, they're going to see that it's not everyone's going to start making the decisions for you. You have to make the decisions for yourself. One thing is that the teachers aren't making all of the decisions. People are way nicer, like students and teachers. So, yeah. (laughs) I want to just pick on that. When you said teachers aren't making all decisions, what does that mean to you? What's important about that? That you have more freedom on what you get to do and how you do it. That freedom can be expressed in a number of ways. 
Here's eighth grader Leticia to talk about a drive she helped organize for the White Buffalo Calf Women's Society, a nonprofit in South Dakota that serves to end violence in and around the Rosebud Reservation, and how she went about doing that. My name is Leticia Fernandez. I am 14 years old. I'm in eighth grade at TCMS. This winter, we decided to do a drive, and then I was the one who wrote the letter out that says we need money for the drive and if that we accept donations. Mm-hmm. And we did it for the White Buffalo Calf Women's Society. Mm-hmm. We got toys and feminine stuff. We raised the money for it, and then we went to buy everything we need. We got them clothes, a bunch of stuffies, hats. I think I got one kid a sword. (laughs) I don't know where it went. That's really cool. So from the idea to the actual purchase of the the gifts, you guys were involved from the beginning. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, huh? When you look back on that project that you were part of, what feelings do you have? that you were part of that from the beginning to the distribution of the, the, the gifts to the families and stuff. Right. And before we go, I want to introduce you to my friend, Sage Fast Dog. When I returned to South Dakota in 2017, Sage was serving as the Native American Achievement Schools Fellow at Todd County Middle School. Prior to that, He had served as the Lakota language instructor for over a decade. Since then, he serves on the Todd County School Board. He founded the first Lakota Immersion School on the Rosebud Reservation. And he's the father of a young man who recently graduated from Todd County Middle School. Let's hear from Sage. No wajaje tiospe ektamu onaha sichangu CDC washi chamu chawana waya wa ikacha waya ikacha na wakanje tokekchina onaha to daku daku wonglake kina cha native american school grant cha iwoglaka cham so I, I come from um, the the mixed people Tioshpai. There's two groups in the the Rosebud area. There's the Sichangu and then there's the the Wajaji, the mixed people. So I come from that that group. But we're all we're together. We're, we we make up the Rosebud Sioux tribe. I currently work for Sichangu CDC. I'm the head of school for Wakanje Tokekchi, which is Children First Learning Center. I'll sit on the board too for Todd County School District. I used to work for Todd County School District for about 13 years as an educator there. My experience in, in education has really brought me close to using what I learned to try to help other students in hopes that they will they will pick up the pathway that I'm cutting for I'm cutting so that they can make it better for the generations to come. Student leadership and agency can take many forms. Sometimes it's young people tackling real-world work and internships. For others, it's engaging in projects that bring their interests and skills to the forefront. 
and still others, it's having the poise and confidence to speak truth to power, even if that power is an elected official. Well, there's two things. One is the kids were able to lead legislators, a governor into their building and show like, this is who we are. This is what we want. Here's what education looks like that we were, you know, wanting for many years. And I remember watching watching the kids, you know, take the governor of South Dakota around to school and showing her like the rooms. And they were really respectful, even though there was a conflict between the beliefs, what she supported at the state, you know, and, and what they believed there, especially around the pipeline, you know, and, and they they were really um, with organizing and showing them what to do. They, they really took it on to themselves to show them legislators in South Dakota, like what our school is about, what this whole thing was about, what, what, what was, what it was the achievement school? What does it look like? That was all led by the kids. I, all I did was coach them and I said, here you go, take, take off and do it. And so it's just like, our kids are very capable of, of being leaders, of being ambassadors. They just have to have the opportunity. Another one that was the highlight for me was when the kids went on their um, leadership trip in the summertime, they went out and there was a group of girls and then there was a group of boys. They went separate pathways for Wilder, but they came. we came together as a group. And it was just them working out like their own personal goals, but also like, how do you work together? Mm. So we're really changing that, changing that there. That was, so that was successful and that the kids really walked away with, you know, they, they walked away with the idea of like knowing all the sacred sites what the Lakota did there, and then uh, just what it takes to um, build a relationship with each other. Mm. Can you go into that a little bit more? Because some of our listeners there, they may not have any experience with um, an indigenous community. So like when you're talking about these sacred sites and its connection to like Lakota ways of life and Lakota leadership, what was the your vision for that? And then, you know, how did the young people, how did they exceed maybe what you had in mind? So it was a, it was a cultural leadership trip and it was for the kids to take off on a trip, you know, to build, to get away from their day-to-day lives at home, but to get out. Like I said, they were had to learn to work together and they had to learn to like, like even because we, so some of the sites we went to, they were like, <laughs> The longest hike was like seven miles long. Wow. So they had they had to like work together. They couldn't leave each other. I mean, there was definitely faster kids than the other ones that wanted to take off. But the idea was like, uh, you can't leave somebody behind. So how do you work to get everybody gets to the the place um, together? So it was get it was to get them to think that way. To get them to think of think of like. Well, how was it that people actually figured out how to live together? And so that in itself was embedded in understanding your environment, understanding interrelationships. And at the same time, they went to Blackout Peak. It's where the they do the welcoming back of the thunders. Um, his, historically, the Lakota would go to these different sites and throughout the Black Hills and and in um and, and also in um, Wyoming, the Black Hills is located in South Dakota. It's on um western side of South Dakota. And then they also went to um, Devil's Tower, and we talked there about what the significance of that place being that that was where um, the annual Sundance was. 
and that there was only a few people that went there, but just the great distance that they traveled there. So it was a trip to give the kids connection back to all the sites that were that were um, important to the Lakota and also the surrounding tribes that were around the Black Hills. They were also had strong connections there too. Um, so it, in that way, it gave the kids like, well, here's here's what we're trying to teach you too, but here's also what's important. Here's also important is, is keeping is learning about why this was important and that your ancestors knew astronomy mm. like they they're connected by it and it guided them and it and it was how they understood the world mm. yeah so that was that was my highlight there I, I originally wasn't supposed to go on a trip but i'm always prepared for anything whenever it, when I, <laughs> things go already so i ended up jumping on a trip and going with them and mm. it was really, it was a good experience As educators, our work can feel personal. And in Sage's case, that's even more so. At the time that Sage was working at Todd County Middle School, his son, Sage Jr., was also in attendance. Here's Big Sage on what it felt like to watch his son fully embrace his identity in school. Your son graduated from Todd County Middle School. And so I wonder if... So we, we know your connection... Uh, you know, as a, a member of the tribe and also your role. But I wonder if you could maybe just talk a little bit about why this transformation and, and student leadership involved in that transformation was so important to you from that like role of as a father, not, you know, not to minimize the role of the educator, but also to uplift why this was so important to you personally. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I always want my son to, to follow in my, at least pick up what I, what I've learned, you know, especially with the Lakhovi Choyak, you know, the Lakota teachings. And I was always, I was always concerned because <laughs> when I think it was eighth grade, man, I was, I was brokenhearted because he no longer wanted to sing. He no longer wanted to dance. And I was like, Oh man, what's going on here? And I thought that he was giving up. He was just like questioning this whole world around him because you know, it's, it's, there's a lot, a lot of the, a lot of our people are, you know, they, colonialism is pretty strong. And so retaining our hair, retaining our length of our hair, you know, keeping it long, you know, there's, there's few of us, but it's, but it's great. It's gaining momentum because that's part of who we are. We don't have to have our hair short to belong. We don't always have to speak Lakota, I mean, speak English to belong, you know, so those are the things that were important to me to to share with him. And so now, today, you know, he's getting ready to graduate high school. You know, he 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 stuck it out when getting his work done. And when I thought that he was losing interest in singing and and and, and with our um, our way of life, with you know, participating in, in ceremonies, I hear him singing in his room. And sometimes he'll come out and he'd be like, hey, let's sing some, let's sing some songs. So I was like, all right, all right, I'll stop what I'm doing and we'll do that. So he was ready for the, the ceremony that the young boys go through that I've been preparing for for a long time. So we got him ready. We took him through that ceremony. And it was, it was like the, the, probably the best highlight as being a father is watching your son go through that. Like, I didn't get to have that. 
And having that restored within my family was like the probably the best blessing I'd, I'd ever have. He sees what I see now. He sees that. And it's like, how do I lead him forward to having a voice of how he can be? He can change the community. I'm proud of him. Very proud of him. When people ask me about my takeaways from living and working with the Lakota people, it always goes back to walking with relatives. Whether that was spending my prep hour each day under the watchful eye and mentorship of folks like Ed Young Man Afraid of His Horses, or that was preparing my lessons to teach the most engaging math I could with my young people, traveling with them on buses to sports games and meets, cheering them on from the sidelines, whether it was the community wrapping around my wife and me when we needed them, like the time they raised $600 to pay for a new set of tires because our tires got slashed in a mass slashing event. Or Norma Brownbull and all the women who drew close to my wife when we had a miscarriage when we needed them the most. That's what relationships and kinship are about. It's not about someone coming in to save a community, to do for a community what it can do for itself. It's about building relationships of trust. At the end of the day, it's about living in and walking in community with people that you care deeply about and who also care deeply about you. As I look back on the season, that same thread pulls through each episode. So whether it's advisors who care deeply enough about their students to go out into community and help them organize internships, or teachers working closely with elementary kids to develop projects that will have lasting impact in their communities, heck, it even looks like building the school from scratch with a community that has been overlooked and underserved and saying, We're not going to accept what you've given us, so we're going to build it ourselves, even if it takes us almost a decade. As I look ahead into the future of education, this is what I hope to see more of. Educators, students, and community members who are not going to put up with the status quo any longer. They're not going to accept anything less than the best from education. Spaces that honor who we are, how we show up, and allow us to do so as our full and complete selves. It doesn't happen all at once, and it won't be easy. But as we've been saying all season long, a change in course will happen one school at a time. Well, y'all, that's it for this episode and for our first season of Changing Course. Thank you so much for listening and learning about all of the schools we were fortunate to speak with this season. And if this is your first episode you're hearing, go back, back to the beginning with our first of six episodes to learn more about how students and teachers are working together to transform education in America, one school at a time. If you love the podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Changing Course on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Changing Course is produced by Teach for America's One Day Studio in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to the Pod Father, Michael Kress, Craig Hunter, Laura Zing, and Georgia Davis from Teach for America, and the production team at Pod People. Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Danielle Roth, and let us not forget the tag team champions of the world, Chris Jacobs and Shanice Tindall and Erica Huang. 
Last but certainly not least, thank you to the students and staff at Todd County Middle School who shared their time and experience to help us make this episode. Meadow, Leticia, Sage Fastdog, Chris Mosner, and Dana Hawkins. From Teach for America's One Day Studio, I'm Jonathan Santos Silva. Peace.